No, I'll tell you, and, and uh, welcome those online. Um, <laughs> I've been really excited for this morning. And for many reasons, I mean, it, it, everybody knows, at least here, everybody knows 11.11 has had some sort of significance. We don't know exactly what. So, so there's been this anticipation of 11.11 anyways, but that, that's, that's, that's not why I'm excited this morning. Uh, I mean, that, that may have been a build-up to it, but as usual, Thursday, you know, it comes about Thursday, and I'm, okay, Lord, it's getting about that time of the week, you know, for, for you to tell me what you want me to start thinking about. And so I prayed that morning, I said, Lord, give me a passage, give me something that you want me to chew on for a couple days, and and seek your will on. And literally, I, I it, it was probably within 15 minutes, 20 minutes, Alexis comes downstairs, and uh, and she said, or, or maybe it was upstairs, I can't remember where we were, but um, but she says, do you mind if I read you a passage? And she reads this passage, and, and it didn't mean anything really to me at the time, um, but she said, the Lord just wanted me to give that to you. But Lord's cool. Lord's very cool. And so over the next couple days, I started mulling that over. And this passage. And, and I wasn't sure what exactly he wanted through it. I mean, I'm, I'm getting this passage and then I'm getting these visions. Okay? And these visions were, were tough. They were tough visions. Um, I'm going to mention a, a, a movie, and it's a tough movie. For any of you who have seen it, it's a tough movie to watch. It's called Hurt Locker. If you've ever seen that movie, it is a real depiction of our armed forces, in fact, the most dangerous position in our military forces is the bomb squad, those who go out, search out, and remove the IEDs, right? And uh, um, it's, a, it's a movie about that. And it, it goes into other, other you, know, uh, uh, you know, dramatic storylines, which wasn't the point of, of these visions or, or uh, the movie to me. Uh, it goes into personal situations, all that stuff. And, and the movie's tough, you know, you set the language aside because language is pretty tough in it. But it is an extremely real, true-to-life depiction of what these people go through. And he, he I had only seen it, I, I had seen it, I think, years and years ago, and, and for some reason, God just kept bringing these visions to my mind of that. But it wasn't like scenes in the movie, but it was what they were doing in this, in, in those, you know, in the movie. Uh, the, the removal of bombs and, and different things like that. And, and, and so I'm, I'm trying to, trying to piece these two things together. Lord, you keep, and I mean almost constant, these visions. And, and Lord, what, what are you, what are you trying to do here? And then Alexa and I went out last night to, uh, uh, some dear friend's birthday party and got back and, and guess what was on TV? Her locker. 
And I said to Alexa, you know, that's not normally something I I would watch, you know, before I go to bed, especially Saturday night. But I thought, okay, Lord, this isn't coincidence. And and so I I begin watching it, and the Lord is unfolding to me these, these nuances of what that position meant. The sacrifice of that position. What it took to do, and even be called, and even prepare for that position. It was extraordinary. Then this morning I get up and I began reading through this passage. And he said, you know what, go back another chapter. So I go back a chapter and I, I begin reading and going through those chapters. And then, and then it hit me like a ton of bricks. And when I got excited was this morning. Uh, I, I don't know if this has anything to do with 11.11, but, but during this epiphany, I turn on my, you know, I click on my phone um, uh, real quick to, to see the time in the Times 11.11. And I thought, okay. But see, what the Lord revealed to me was that we are living out the fulfillment of prophecy. And I don't mean we in this time frame, in this day, in this age. I mean we, Ignition. This is going to be a heavy thing to tell you about. But I want you to absorb it and understand what it means. Because those who understand, and those who step forward in that understanding, will be part of this. Those who do not, can't be. They could be other positions. But see, unless you're fully committed, unless you're fully committed to that position of removing those bombs, you literally take your life in your hands. I want you to turn first to Romans... This is going to be freaky, guys, okay? Turn to Romans 11, chapter 11, verse 11. And this is, again, what he showed me this morning. It was really, we've, we've gone over this before, we've gone over this concept before. But when it ties in with the other chapters that I'm going to go through, I think, I think you're going to get a better idea. Romans chapter 11, verse 11 says this. So I ask, did they stumble in order that they may fall? And, and by the way, this is, this is uh, Paul talking about Israel, about how the Gentiles were grafted in. And he's saying, saying did, did Israel fall just so the Gentiles can be grafted in? Almost like they were a sacrifice so that the real people can now be saved. Which, by the way, there is a sect out there that believes in that. and It's called replacement theology, and it's dead wrong. It is absolutely satanic. And that's not what he's talking about. In fact, he says, by no means. Rather, through their trespass, salvation has come to the Gentiles. And then I love this last little statement. So as to make Israel jealous. 
See, Israel was, is, always will be God's chosen people. That hasn't changed. That will never change. The problem is, they never received that. They believed it at first. They walked into the promised land, took over the promised land, all believing in a coming Messiah. But then when that Messiah came, they, as a people, rejected that Messiah. So what that did then, is that opened the door. That opened the door for the Gentile, which what is a Gentile? Everybody else, except for Jews. Right? The entire world, except for Jews. It gave the opportunity for the Gentile to be grafted in. But then Jesus, well, Paul, but the Holy Spirit through Paul, says this statement at the end, because they rejected Him, and He loves them, and He gave His life for them, literally, they will be made jealous of who isn't even their chosen people. They'll be made jealous by them. And we've talked about that before. That's what comes out of Revelation 3.9 in the readying of the bride. But now I want you to turn to Isaiah chapter 61. And this is the chapter. I'm going to read a lot here. Because it really lays a lot of groundwork of how God feels about His chosen people, about Israel. And then He's going to loop it in at the end, and and I think you're going to see ignition in this. This is toward the end of the book of Isaiah. This is talking about God's plan for Israel. What He wants for Israel. By the way, these things have not happened yet. None of this has happened yet. Let's start chapter 61. We're just going to start in verse 1. Isaiah says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all who mourn. To grant to those who mourn in Zion. To give them a beautiful headdress. Instead of ashes. The oil of gladness. Instead of mourning. The garment of praise. Instead of faint spirit. That they, and he's doing all this for one reason. That they may be called oaks of righteousness. The planting of the Lord that He may be glorified. This has never happened. Understand that. What Isaiah is talking about here is prophetic. This is the Lord's heart. This is the Lord's desire. That they shall build up the ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair the ruined cities, the devastations of many generations. Strangers 
shall stand and tend your flocks. Foreigners shall be your plowmen and vine dressers. But you shall be called the priests of the Lord. They shall speak of you as the ministers of our God. You shall eat the wealth of the nations, and in their glory you shall boast. By the way, let me, let me go back to, to verse 5, because the Lord's just impressing on me to say this. Where it says, strangers shall tend shall stand and tend your flocks. Foreigners shall be your plowmen and vine dressers. It, it doesn't say that in a negative sense. Like you're going to have this taken away from you and you won't have this anymore. That's not what it says. It says that your flocks will be tended. They will be taken care of. Your vines will be tended. They will be taken care of. They will be taken care of by strangers. They will be taken care of by Gentiles. You're seeing here for the first time in prophecy, a marriage of the two, the Gentile and the Jew. And he says, why? Because you shall be called the priests of the Lord. They shall speak of you as the ministers of our God. You shall eat the wealth of the nations, and in their glory you shall boast. Instead of your shame, there shall be a double portion. Instead of dishonor, they shall rejoice in their lot. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess a double portion. They shall have everlasting joy. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrong. I will faithfully give them their recompense. And I will make an everlasting covenant with them. Their offspring shall be known among the nations and their descendants in the midst of the peoples. All who see them shall acknowledge them. And they are an offspring the Lord has blessed. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exult in my God. For He has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress. And as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the earth brings forth its sprouts, and as a garden causes what is sown in it to sprout up, so the Lord will cause righteousness and praise to sprout up before all the nations. Those last two, beginning from verse 8 down to verse 11, that was a shift. That was a mix of bringing Gentile and Jew together, of working together of this This idea in the future that the entire bride, including his chosen, will be together and work together. And yet this has never happened. In fact, Israel has never declared Jesus as the Messiah. They will. But they will because of Romans 11.11. Because they will be made jealous of those who were not God's chosen, but yet grafted in the readying of the bride. Chapter 62. For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. 
And for Jerusalem's sake, I will not be quiet until her righteousness goes forth as brightness and her salvation as a burning torch. And Father, as I continue with this, I ask for your Holy Spirit to pierce the hearts of each person listening, whether it be live or whether they listen later on podcast. Pierce their hearts with truth of what you're speaking. That these words become living, breathing in their hearts. And as you promise that if we ask you, you peel back the layers of understanding. Do that now as we are opening your book. And do that in our hearts as we listen to it even later in Jesus' name. Let's go back. Verse 2. The nations shall see your righteousness. And all the kings your glory. And you shall be called by a new name. That is the ma- that the mouth of the Lord will give. You shall be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord. And a royal diadem in the hand of your God. You shall no more be termed forsaken. Now understand, he's talking here about Israel. And your land shall no more be termed desolate. But you shall be called, my delight is in her. Some, some of your, uh, your versions may say, may say the name Beulah. But it means, my delight is in her. And your land married, for the Lord delights in you. And your land shall be married, for as the young man marries a young woman, so shall your sons marry you. Now, think beyond marriage here, guys. Okay, think patriotism. Because that's what this verse is talking about. It's talking about a dedication to an idea of who you are as a nation. It's something we have seriously lacked in America. But it is something that is now rising in America. It was here, it's literally how we began. That patriotism of the willingness to give your life for a reason. To give your life for a thought. To give your life for a process. To give your life for an ideal. That's what America has lacked for so long. But no more. No more, because those patriots are rising up, have been rising up, will rise up. Those patriots that are willing to give everything for what God wants to do in this nation. That's what he's saying about Israel here. That their young men will marry Literally become patriots to their land. And as a bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. Verse 6. On your walls, O Jerusalem. And this you'll notice a shift in the terminology here. On your walls, O Jerusalem, I have set watchmen. All the day and all the night, they shall never be silent. You who put to the Lord in remembrance, take no rest. 
and give him no rest until he establishes Jerusalem and makes it a praise in the earth. What's he saying here? He is saying that I have put watchmen out there that will declare the very things we're talking about this morning. That will declare the Lord's intent on who Israel is and what they are to be. That they are to be God's bridegroom. As the Gentiles have been grafted in, they did not replace. Now, by the way, that doesn't mean that no Jews accepted the Lord. Right, Isaac? We got one right here. No, what that's saying is Israel as a nation has not declared Jesus as the Messiah. They still await their Messiah. They still await. But what he's saying here is, I have placed watchmen on your walls, and all day and all night they shall never be silent. Those watchmen will declare truth. Even though you may not hear it in the city, they're going to be on the walls declaring truth. Then the Lord says, Hey guys, remind me. Just like Isaiah 43 says, You who put the Lord in remembrance, take no rest. In other words, keep reminding Him. Keep reminding Him of His promises. Keep reminding Him of the promises to Israel. We have a responsibility not just to ourselves. But we have a responsibility to Israel. I remind you, Lord. I remind you of your promises to Israel. They've not come true yet. Why? Because Israel has not not called for Jesus to be the Messiah. But they will. We have to remind God of that. He said, He said, don't give up. He said, you who put the Lord in remembrance, take no rest and give him no rest. Like God needs rest. <laughs> but it, but it's like, it's like the, the widow who went before the unjust judge just time and time and time again. Give him no rest. Remind him of his promises. Remind him of what he wants to do. It says, give him no rest until he establishes Jerusalem and makes it a praise in the earth. Now, by the way, he's established Jerusalem. And I'll tell you what, this is a big deal this year, what Donald Trump did. In moving the embassy from Tel Aviv, I believe is where it was, to Jerusalem. That's a big deal. That's a huge deal. Why? Because what America does, the world follows. And even though Jerusalem was always their capital, it was never recognized by the world as their capital. It is now. That is probably, in my opinion, the most bold move Donald Trump has ever done. And perhaps ever will do. Because I don't think we even understand the gravity and the weight 
of that move. But we're reading about it right here. Understand, guys, we are in an age where prophecy is being fulfilled. It's being fulfilled. The Lord, verse 8, the Lord is sworn by his right hand and by his mighty arm. I will not again give your grain to be food for your enemies. And foreigners shall not drink your wine for which you have labored. But those who garner it shall eat it and praise the Lord. And those who gather it shall drink it in the courts of my sanctuary. What he's saying is, remind me. Because see, there comes a day where everything that I do in Jerusalem will be for Jerusalem. Everything I do in Zion will be for Zion. Because they're my children. And my children, when they turn to me and call for me, he becomes their dad. Now, I want to point out a shift. A shift in chapter 62. And this is, this is what crippled me. This is what blew me away. Because the shift goes away from Jerusalem. The shift goes to those bomb squad technicians who would pave the way. Guys, verses 10, 11, and 12 is ignition. Go through. Go through the gates. Prepare the way for the people. Build up. Build up the highway. Clear it of stones. Lift up a signal over the people. Behold, the Lord is proclaimed to the end of the earth. Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your salvation comes. See, that's your first clue that these are not Jews. Because this remnant is speaking to the Jews. Behold, his reward is with him, and his recompense before him. And they shall be called the holy people, the redeemed of the Lord. And you shall be called sought out, a city not forsaken. The Lord has raised up a remnant. And the day and time that we're in is the fulfillment of this very prophecy that paves the way for that jealousy to even be possible. Do you understand? Israel will not turn until they see that they have missed out on what their God Gives. What he gives to his adopted children. We're, we're adopted. We're joint heirs. We're grafted in. We're given the favor of, of the Lord for a reason. It's all to bring about the jealousy of those who turn their back on him. Let's go through this. 
Verse 10. So go through. Go through the gates. Prepare the way for the people. What does that mean? What does it mean when you go into a place that is not easily traveled? When you go into a wilderness, let's say. Anybody anybody ever watch? uh, I know I use this all the time. I love Gold Rush. Okay. Anybody see the season three seasons ago when they went down to, uh, I think it was Guyana? Yeah. Anybody see that? Anybody else cool in here except me? Okay, my daughter. My daughter Yvonne and Corey. We are the three cool people in this whole church. Well, (laughs) exactly. What they did, it it was interesting because you go down there and you have this insanely dense forest, or or not, not even forest, jungle, right? There are no pathways. There, there are no paved highways. You know, and you're, you're bringing in this insanely huge equipment. And by the way, guess what? They had trouble. In fact, it was that season, I think, cause, cause, well, that's a whole long story. He's out now, but I, I think that's the season that kicked him into the dirt so hard that he decided, look, I'm not going to do this much longer. Now he just runs the show because he's the one that owned the show in the first place. Right? I'm talking about Todd, for those of you who know. See, it wasn't built up for him. He had to go down there and he had to pave a way. And he was paving a way and yet was trying to do it with all this equipment that he had no capability of doing. Now, if he had sent a team down the year before, knowing that they were going to run into these problems, if he had sent a a team down the year before, and all they did was just pave away, he wouldn't have wasted half of his season just getting there, and then all the other troubles that they had. They would have gone in and had a smooth road to bring in what they needed to, to fulfill what they needed to fulfill. That's what we're called to do. That's what ignition is called to do. We're called to pave a way, to literally be way makers, to show others This idea of relationship with Jesus Christ. And what that means. And the power that that brings. I find it interesting that it says here, remove the stones. Right? It says, build up, build up the highway. Clear it of stones. Why? Why do you have to clear it of stones? Now, now by the way, don't think of little stones. Okay. Ouch, I stepped on a little stone and hurt my foot. No, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about stones that are in the way, that you can't get around. Right? Here, here's another gold rush one for you. They, they were coming around this, this is a different year, but they were coming around this embankment with this, this huge equipment. And there's this boulder that had fallen down from, from above, and, and, I mean, they could not get around it, period. 
If they didn't get this equipment to where it needed to go, their whole season was done. So see, that stone became an impediment that would stop their progress. As you, uh, as you are called to be a way maker, paving a road for someone else to be able to walk down easier, those stones become critical elements to remove. What do you think some of those stones are? We call them strongholds. They're the implantment of the enemy that would cause progress to stop. Do you understand? Why do you think he's teaching us how to fight witchcraft? See, we, we were first taught, and I've gone over this, we were first taught about how to deal with demonic spirits. Okay? Lord taught us defense, then offense. And that, okay, cool, that, that was good, I understood that. Then he goes and he teaches us how to deal with principalities. That was different. You know, fallen angels, they, they were different than demonic spirits. Very different. But again, something we had authority over. So he taught us defense, and then he taught us offense. And, and we, we walked through all of those. Then more recently, about a little over a year ago, he began teaching us of this third phase of warfare, which we've talked about, and that was witchcraft. This brought in a whole different element, a whole new ballgame. This was very different. Why? Because, see, Satan has to do what is decided in the courts of heaven. He has to. It, it's, it's his... It, he, he has no choice. He's bound by it. So are demonic spirits. So are principalities. That, that's why when, when the Bible says you have authority to, to tread on snakes and scorpions, when, when you're dealing with a demonic spirit, you tell them to be muted, silenced. They do. Same with the principality that you have authority over. Right? Very different with a witch. Why? Because they're human. They're human. They have the same choice that you do. They have the same opportunity to defy or to live in agreement with as you do. See, you can defy the courts. The courts can have a decision of righteousness in your life. You can defy that. You can choose against it. Why? Because you have free will. That was the limitation that God placed on himself from the very beginning. You have free will. You can choose not to listen to God. We've talked about that. Right? So in this warfare, what we have learned, and, and for the last year, God took us through defense and how to defend ourselves against witchcraft. How to defend ourselves against these ones that they, they don't come after you with authority. Right? They don't come after you with with the right to come after you because of sin. You can, you can be, be righteous in your walk, and yet they will come after you. Why? Because they have choice to do it. 
So he taught us for over a year how to defend ourselves against that. And then just recently, over the last month or so, he shifted it to offense. And I know we've talked about this. But the reason why is because now he's saying, you've been trained as a bomb disposal technician. Now it's time to go do it. Those bombs will be identified. Do we identify them? No, the Lord's going to identify them. He's going to tell us, here's where the stronghold is. Now, in many cases, it's going to be blatantly obvious. Right? It's going to be obvious where a stronghold is. But He's going to identify the stronghold, and He's going to say, go after it. Go after it. Send your team in to remove that stronghold. Now, if you've ever seen that movie that I talked about earlier, The Hurt Locker, they don't just walk in, oh, cool, grab the bomb, click. It's all good. Now, if they did that, it would be click, boom, see ya. Right? No, they've had training. They've had training to go in to identify where they're hidden. There's a scene in there that's, that's just really extraordinary. I, I, this, I know it's a movie, but I also know it depicts real. And uh, there, there were so many real people in those positions that, that said that was absolute real life. In fact, there's a guy on Fox News um, who was one of these bomb technicians. He's, he's just a great, uh, he's a pundit now, but it, just a great speaker. And, and he's missing both his legs because he, because of a bomb that ended up going off. But he, he, I heard him say this was the most realistic depiction of what he did. And, and so these guys go in not just with this training, but they go in with this equipment. They go in with this faith. <laughs> this faith that that training is going to see them through it. They go into situations and one of, one of the, uh, one of the scenes in there, this guy goes and he finds this one and he clips the detonator from it. And, and it's like, whew, okay, we're all good. And, and things are, you know, people are just kind of starting to show up and, and the, the scene is getting to be really tense because what would happen is people would show up and they would detonate it with a cell phone. And so you have, you have these other guys that are with him on what's called Overwatch, and they're 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 watching everybody. And you know, if they're seeing a cell phone, they're watching it. They're 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 watching what's going on. And the, these these bombs are not small bombs. Like this guy's wearing a whole bomb suit, but if it went off in front of him, he's dead. In fact, the beginning of the movie is is this guy who's running away from one that's been detonated, and he, he's he's probably 150 feet away, and it still kills him. I mean, these are not tiny things. So so this guy gets the detonator done with one, and he goes, "Okay, I got it," and then he finds this other wire. He said, "Hold on, I found another one," and he starts pulling this wire, and then it's connected to about six wires. Six or seven wires, and he said, oh. And and the, the scene of the movie is just insane. You've got all these people starting to come around, and he leans down, in the, and the junction of this, he just pulls it up, and, and it's like all these bombs just come out of the ground. 
because they're just barely covered over with, with stuff and all these just come out of the ground. And, and the recognition at that point is his life is literally down to a matter of moments because somebody is about to detonate those bombs with a cell phone and they, they actually show in the movie this other guy running down to try and get within range of doing this. And right before he gets down with range, he, he clips the last detonator and he looks at the guy and he holds the detonator up to him. And the guy runs away, throws the cell phone down and runs away. Point was, he didn't know those were there. He went there because of one that they saw. And in his training, he was shown that others were revealed. How many times will we or have we gone into a situation because God said, go deal with this situation. And then when we go to deal with this situation, it opens up to so many things we didn't know. Right? I mean, look in your own life. Oftentimes that can throw us. That can throw us like, wait a second, Lord, I, I didn't expect this. I know you brought this change in my life and, 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 this change, you know, I was ready for the thing I expected. But now all of a sudden, everything's changing. Now all of a sudden, I see these other things popping up that I didn't expect, and yet you're expecting me to take care of all of these. See, if you have not gone through the training, if you have not developed the faith to know why you're there in the first place, that's going to throw you off. It's going to scare you. It's going to make you think, I was not supposed to be here in the first place. That's why this calling is not for everybody. That's why this church has stayed small for as long as it has. Because of training. Because of weeding out those who would not be prepared when they found those other bombs. But who God is raising up are those who are sent into a situation. And then in that situation, other things are revealed and they have the faith to step through each one, knowing that God's got their back. See, that guy who was doing that, he knew the Overwatch had his back. All he had to worry about were the bombs, which was enough to worry about. <laughs> right? He didn't have to worry about a sniper he didn't have to worry about someone else coming and trying to do something because there was a team of people there to do that. This is what God is building in us. It's to remove the very stones that would stop the bride from becoming ready. Stop the bride from understanding who she is and who she's supposed to be. So these people are called to prepare the way, to clear that highway of the stones, to lift up a signal over the people. By the way, that word signal, uh, let me pull up the actual Hebrew here. The actual Hebrew word here is ness. It is a flag. It is, by implication, a flagstaff. On a banner, a sign, a standard. I want you to put that up. 
that I told you. This people will raise up a banner to show the people what is preparing the way. Not that they're preparing the way. But by what standard they're preparing the way. And it's love. It's the very standard of love that conquers war. Doesn't mean love does not go to war, guys. You go to war over love. You go after those strongholds because of love. This whole process for you, for me, it begins with love. If it didn't for you, you need to go on back and start again. Because if the Lord has not taught you love, love for other people, love for the bride, love for Israel, then you can't move forward in this calling. I will lift up a standard over the people. Behold, the Lord is proclaimed to the end of the earth. Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your salvation comes. Behold, his reward is with him, and his recompense is before him. That's what the bride is to declare to Israel. That Jesus, the Messiah that you rejected, loves you. He is your Messiah. And by the way, he is coming. Your salvation, Zion, your salvation, Israel, is coming. Behold, His reward is with Him. His recompense is with Him. And they shall be called, talking about this remnant, the holy people, the redeemed of the Lord. This is what sets it aside from Israel. That word, redeemed, in the Hebrew, is the Hebrew word for Goel. It's the kinsman redeemer. It's the one who has a right to the other. Do you understand? When you're grafted in, when you're grafted in to God's chosen people, By adoption, you have a right and you have an obligation to love them. See, we're not displaced from Israel. (laughs) We're married to Israel. They're our brothers. They're our sisters. We're grafted in. We are literally adopted as sons and daughters. The redeemed of the Lord. And you shall be, and then it shifts back to Israel, and you shall be called sought out. A city not forsaken. If a short while ago we finished a study of Revelation with the college age. I know it took a while. But 
In that, we, we took the time to look at what it's going to be like in the thousand-year reign of Christ. Where Israel will be this very verse here. Where Israel will be sought out. In fact, it, it says that the kings of the earth will bring the best of what they have into the city. And pay homage to the city. Pay homage to Jesus Christ. That city, or the, the, the nation will be called sought out. And the city, this city Jerusalem will not be forsaken. See, this is a prophecy that Isaiah said thousands of years ago. Has never happened yet. But understand that you are living in the fulfillment, in the beginning of the fulfillment of these times. This is a call to arms, guys. This is a call to arms. I want you tonight when you go home, pray and read through verses 10, 11, and 12 again of chapter 62. Ask the Lord, is that you? Are you a way maker? Is the Lord calling you to be one to learn how to remove those strongholds? Because guys, training is done. Not that there isn't further training. You always redo stuff. But ignition's training period is over. We have shifted to offense. And in that offense, God will show us the strongholds. He'll show us the stones in the way of paving this highway. Shared it before, but... When we, see this is not talking about a church. Verses 10, 11, and 12, that's not talking about a church. It's talking about a movement. It's talking about a process. It's talking about a people that are willing, that are willing to put themselves in harm's way to do the job that needs to be done. See that movie, another thing that, that was just extraordinary to me in it. Now th- this guy who they depict through the movie, he's he got a lot of personal issues. But the one thing at the end it shows, and, and ignore, if you've seen it, ignore the fact that, you know, there are many things that, that are sad in his life, like his, his wife and his child. But he knew his calling. He knew what he was trained to do. He couldn't do anything else but that. Because that's where he needed to be. You know, oftentimes you hear that in some of these these people that, these warriors that have been overseas and came back and yet war's still going on over there. And they, they just needed to be there. That's the remnant that he's calling up. Is those that know they're called to this warfare and need to be there. Not that they go and pick a fight. Because these teams would only go out when they're told that something was there. And they were told where to go. That's the Holy Spirit's job. But are you called in this? 
See, the Lord, as I was saying before, when we first started this, and before it was, it was a church, I mean, we're not really a church, but we are a church, we're, anyways, when we started out kind of as a college group, I, I had the Ignition 633 and all that, and then I had a tagline. Our tagline now is an army rising up, right? That's what you all know. And a few of you, actually probably very, 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 very few, know, unless I told you, um, that wasn't our original tagline. The original tagline when I did the logo and when I started everything up, it was not a church, but a movement. See, it was never intended to be a church. It was always intended to be an idea. It was always intended to be a calling that the church would fit into. But not inside one church, not inside one local body. That's not who we are. That's not, that may be what it feels like right now. But that's not who we are. That's not our calling. And I remember first time I, I had just this amazing confirmation of that was, was, um, I mean, we, we had been at church maybe for a couple of months, and we went down, uh, three of us, me, Wendy, and Anessa, went down to North Carolina and, and uh, uh, went down there to hear um, uh, Stacy Campbell, and, and then there were, uh, Heidi Baker was there, and there were some other people. But um, there was a prophecy given, given to me. Stacy gave it, and so did this other guy named John. Totally separate. They didn't know what each other said. But both of them said the same thing amongst other things. But they said, I, I don't know why. This, this just seems weird. I, are you a pastor of a church? Because it doesn't seem like a church. It seems more like a movement. Both of them said that. And that was, that was a confirmation to me of how we began. Now, the thing is, we are part of the church. And, and besides, that tagline was too long to really fit in the logo. <laughs> besides, I love Army Rising Up. Because, see, the Army Rising Up is all-inclusive. It's not just us. It's whoever is willing to fly under this banner of love. This thought of relationship. This idea of building personal relationship with the Father through Jesus Christ facilitated by the Holy Spirit. And all of those who do that will become part of this bride that is becoming ready. But see, we're at the very beginning. And right now, what he needs is a bomb squad. Those who are willing to go out and go after these strongholds. And I'm going to close by saying this. How do we do that? That part's easy. I mean, the doing of it's not easy. The knowing what to do is. It's prayer. But it's not individual prayer. It is what we do in worship. It is what we do together. That's what we do on that prayer call. I'm telling you, there is nothing, nothing 
more important than that prayer call. Nothing. There are things as important, understand. But if you're not part of that prayer call, even at some point, if you're not part of that prayer call, then you can't be this remnant. Because that's like walking out to a stronghold. That's like walking out to a bomb without your tools. That's like going into a battle zone without your armor. Without your gun. How stupid would that be? And prayer together is going into that battlefield with your team. See, it's not about, well, everybody has to pray. It's the unity behind the prayer. Scripture says all over the place that God knows your heart. If your heart is unified in that prayer, then those words are your words. No matter who's praying. That's how a stronghold is defeated. We've seen it. We've seen it in our little remnant. In our little remnant, we have seen where we've prayed on that prayer call or we've prayed in, in, in a group setting and literally, right away, within sometimes hours or within days, we see answers to that. We see strongholds broken. Sometimes we see them directly in our midst. But see, those are the strongholds that are in our way. The strongholds that are in the bride's way are the ones that are embedded in our country, embedded in our government. And so what can we do about that? Do we, do we take up arms and go shoot somebody? Well, no. I mean, that's stupid. You'll just find yourself in jail. You'll just find yourself on the wrong end of truth. What do you do? You raise up in unity and you pray the Lord's will. You declare the Lord's will. Unified together. And what happens? He hears you. And he says, okay. Why? Because it said it right up here. He said, remind me. Keep after me. Remind me all the time. Isaiah 43. Bring to remembrance what I have promised you. When we do that, when we do that in unity and we say, Lord, this country was yours. You established it as one nation under God. Under the God. Not any God. Not all gods. Not whoever wants to call themselves a God. The God. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And by the way, the one who had a son, Jesus Christ. That's what this nation was founded upon. So when we go before the Lord and we pray, Lord, in unity, we pray your will. And your will is that this nation become yours once again. Guess what? He's going to listen. And he is listening. He is listening. And he is changing. Don't think for a second That this group here or that group that is on that prayer call night after night after night doesn't make a difference. Because they make all the difference. All the difference. 
That's not about, okay, well, I'm going to give you, you know, four days a week. I'll give you four days a week on that prayer call. It's not about that, guys. It's about your heart. It's about your heart. It's about what you want to do. If you want to do it, he'll give you the opportunities to do it. It might be once a week. It might be seven days a week. There are weeks where I I am able to be on there all seven days. There are weeks where I have missed a few. Like we weren't on there last night because we were at a a friend's party. (laughs) But see, it's about your heart. It's about your hunger. By the way, this goes into the same thing about serving God. If you think you're hungry for Him, and you're waiting for Him to do something, I would encourage you to rethink your hunger. Unless you've placed yourself in a position to be able to receive what that hunger would literally bring, then you need to rethink your position. Well, God, I'm just, I'm doing what I need to do and, and I'm, and I'm here, but you know, this isn't happening. That's not happening. This isn't working out. And, and by the way, you know, because of that, I can't do this and can't be on the prayer call because of this. And if you're hungry, you'll find a way. And I don't speak to you without experience of that. I wanted Jesus Christ so bad. I gave up everything. I gave up my business. I thought I might have to give up my family. I was willing to give up anything. It didn't matter to me. Not that those things didn't matter to me. They, they mattered everything to me. But not at the cost of my relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what mattered to me the most. My hunger was there. So because of that, I produced in my willingness the atmosphere for him to do what he wants to do. I encourage you. I encourage you. If you're hungry, place yourself in an atmosphere to be fed. If you don't know what that means, then put yourself around people that are being fed. He'll teach you what it means. Put yourself in places where you see people's relationship with Jesus Christ growing. And he'll teach you what that means. Because he loves you. And he's raising up this remnant. He's rising up that that banner that we're to fight under. That we're to pave a way for. And it's begun, guys, it's begun. Don't let it pass you by. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we worship you and we praise you. I thank you for who you are. I thank you for the calling that you have given. I thank you, Father, that you have keyed on the very element of foundation being relationship with you. 
Because in that, if that's what we concentrate on, what we go after, you do everything else. You teach us what we need. You direct us where we need to go. Even now, as we've been trained to remove these strongholds, you will show us the strongholds and you'll point the way. I declare it in this atmosphere. I declare it in this realm. We will follow you. We desire your will and your will only, Father. We will stand in the gap. We will be those watchmen on the walls. Because God, I ask for the readying of your bride so that your natural children will see how much you love your bride. And then recognize your son as the Messiah. I remind you, Father, this is your will. I remind you and I ask you to facilitate your will. Begin that, God, by removing the stones, removing the strongholds, that would even keep your bomb squad in its place. See, right now, we're fighting the stones. We're we're removing the stones for us to even move. You've called us to do that. And you are doing that. And I know that the enemy sits in fear. Father, I declare a silencing over the enemy in Jesus' name. Even those that would try and infiltrate this very local group. As John prayed or declared earlier, they will meet a demise that they do not want to meet. And it's not something from us, Father, but it's you. So we give you our hands. We give you our feet. We give you our mouths. We give you our eyes. We give you our ears. We give you everything that we are. And as you have trained us, we will come together in unity and we will pray. We will use the very tools at our disposal that you have told us to use and have taught us to use. And we will, by faith, Go after these strongholds. Release us, Father. Point us the direction you want us to go. Give us a voice. We worship you in Jesus' name. I love those Isaiah verses. Um, Man, that's... That is... That passage, I I would encourage you to read the the couple chapters before and then the three chapters after. But one thing I want to say before we make announcements is when we started Ignition, like he said, we we did it with the experience of putting, uh, if you will, if I use the phrase, putting our money where our mouth is. God was not going to, and it was my heart's desire to see this happen, but God was not going to let us move forward and 
preach the principles of the word of God without walking that faith out in our own life. And that is why he asked us to give up everything. It wasn't just, oh, I want to step into a ministry and add this to my life. We had been doing that. It was, I'm doing something completely new. And these boulders that I know many hearts in this room and online even are desirous of being in the fight. Man, I want to be in the fight. You cannot possibly remove a boulder in this fight when you will not, cannot, or are unwilling to see the boulder in your own personal life. We have got to deal with that. The things I had to deal with in my personal life, things that were strongholds I didn't even know I had for years, God said, look, this is going to be tough for this to be purged out. But I know I'm answering the desire of your heart to help you to get rid of this. Because for you to ever be a vessel that will be able to forge a pathway forward, you've got to deal with your own house, if you will, your own temple. And the paradigms have been the, the most difficult to change. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what is our, what is our theme? Matthew 6.33, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added. And um, if God is calling you to do something, I don't care what it is, however small, If God is calling you to do it, and there is anything that's keeping you from doing it, that is a stone you will not remove if you say no to it. If if that becomes your excuse to not do what God's saying, what to do. And it might be, and and I, oh, there's so many people across the church. I was just hearing their voices as as Greg was preaching, and as the word was being declared. So many people saying, well, that's really unfair. You don't know my life. That's real. That's a real, oh, that's a really unfair statement. Well, so are the verses if I don't deny my mother and my father and, you know, what God will ask you to give up doesn't mean that he's sadistic and wants to hurt. He, he gives sometime. I'll tell you again, the story, Uh, not, not now, but I will tell you the story of when he asked me to just literally like Isaac and Abraham gave up, give up the lawn. I, I knew the enemy was coming to, to destroy her life. And, and it was revealed to me that the enemy had plans to not allow her to live past her eighth birthday. And it was a long story. It was torment for me. But I remember the moment that I literally had to say, she is yours. Yeah. Just like what John prayed and declared. Turn around, look at yourself, you know, look at Jesus, how he loves you. Place what you got in Jesus' hands. Amen. I mean, that was definitely a moment of, okay, oh, oh no, you did not just ask me to do that. You didn't ask me to do that. So I learned the God that I serve loves me more in the moment I gave that up than I ever knew when I was holding it. Every time you give something up, you will find out you serve a God who loves you more than you could even imagine. You hold on to something, it will give an authority for there to be a little bit of lack. So whether it's a job, and he, he prayed it, a job, whatever. There are people, I know right now, I know a friend of mine right now, never, ever goes to church on Sundays because her job doesn't allow her off. That's a boulder. And again, it's not about church attendance. We want to focus on that. It's not about the the thing. Just giving you an example. But whatever the thing is, if God has called you to do it, if God's for us, who could be against us? You know, we are conquerors. But in order to be a conqueror, you have to conquer through Jesus. 
You have to actually have that point of conquering. And so it, it's, it's tough. And believe me, we have been asked time and time again to put our money where our mouth is. I mean, there are things that, you know, I'll tell you, I love Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. You know, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll direct. When you lean on your own understanding, that's called making an excuse for whatever it is. And it could be as simple as reaching out to somebody, calling somebody. It could be forgiving somebody. And you're like, oh, you can't ask me to do that, God. I can't. That's, that's a boulder. You, you, know what, you know what they did to me. You can't ask me to. Whatever it is, I'll tell you what, that, we cannot deal with the boulders as a unit moving forward, as an elite fighting force, if we don't deal with the boulders in our personal life. And I keep calling them boulders because that's how I've seen them in my life. Uh, stones is almost too small of a word. And depending on your translation, that's what it's called. Um, so I just encourage you. Um, I would really, this is a message I'd listen to again. It is a hard word. It is a heavy word. And to our flesh, it doesn't seem fair. Give up everything? Give up everything? Yes. But God wants to give you. He'll add. You know, that's what, that's what, that's the part I love about Matthew 6.33. And he'll add everything else. And the verses before 33, of course, are don't worry about all these things. Don't you know that I beautifully clothed the birds? God has blessed me with foo-foo fun things, even fashion things, as I placed him first. He knows that if my temptation is to want that more than him, you know, now he tests that too. Because sometimes you say, oh yes, Lord, I want you. But he knows good and well. He knows the heart. So it's not about the good works. And if you're in this fight, putting forth the good works, like, man, you got your good church on, but you go home and your life falls apart. That's, you know, the, the answer to our prayers is he'll reveal that because he loves us. He doesn't want false, fake, religious people. And nor, nor do we. And I didn't either. But I didn't know how much that would be tested. And it's, hard, it, it's grueling to have things purged out of your life sometimes. I didn't realize the grasp I had on certain things. But as he pried it out of my hands, what he put back in my hands is so precious. It's so precious. And, you know, um, to sing that old song... This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. How, you know, I didn't understand that what that meant. But if this world is not our home, then don't let this world dictate right. your life Amen. when God has called us. Yeah. It's really, it's that simple, but it's not easy. But it is simple. Yeah. So praise God. We have a great God. Put him to the test. Say, look, Lord, this is my fleece, man. You know my need. You know my need. I place my relationship, I place my money, I place my food, I place my everything in your hand, but you know what I need. I mean, do you not know what I need? You say, yes, I've just been waiting, I've just been waiting for you to just give it to me so I can give you something better. So praise God, we have a great God. I'm going to give a couple of announcements.